Hey, I'm Daniel, and welcome to the Milwaukee Chi Alpha Podcast. What you're going to get from this podcast is biblical encouragement for college students in Milwaukee. And if you don't fit that description, this can still be a good listen for you. What you're about to listen to is our sermon series called Sent. We're studying the book of Acts, the ordinary people who had an extraordinary story. I was at one point in my life a junior in college. I was 21. I was in Minneapolis, and I was studying at North Central University. Um, That was where I graduated. I started here at UWM and then went to uh, NCU. Um, It's a great university in Minneapolis. Um, And part of this, every North Central student has to get a Bible degree, um, or a Bible minor, by the uh, that is. So you had to take a bunch of Bible classes. And then I was a ministry major, so that meant I also had to take more Bible classes on top of that. So one of those things we had to take was um, a New Testament and an Old Testament survey class. And then as a ministry major, I had to take some sort of biblical language, Greek or Hebrew. Um, and here's the deal. At North Central, there was a, and there still is, a phenomenal professor named Dr. Amy Anderson. She is like world-class in understanding ancient Greek literature and translations and all that stuff about manuscripts, and it's just amazing. And she was the one who taught one of the New Testament courses, and she was the one who taught Greek. And everyone at North Central loved Amy Anderson and she was like the cream of the crop, right? She had the, high, like the most uh, uh, notoriety on campus. But here is the other thing. She was the most difficult professor on campus. At least that was what, how people talked about her. They loved her, but you knew you were going to have to work really hard in Dr. Amy's class. And on top of that, not everyone was going to make it. And so there I was, junior thinking about the classes I had to take, and I had this chance to like take Amy Anderson's courses. But I was, I was afraid. I was scared to take her classes. I was intimidated. Like there, were, there was that stigma of, I don't really want to fail at this. This is going to be really hard work. I don't know if I want to do it. I wanted to find an easier way through it. And so I went and I took other classes, and I had great professors, and this is nothing about North Central that I'd, I didn't get a worse education because I didn't take Amy Anderson. Well, my point is, my heart as a 21-year-old wanted to take the easy way out. Have you ever felt that? <laughs> the easy way out, right? Maybe you've done exactly that, right? You're about, what are you... You're not quite registered for classes yet, but you probably are thinking about the classes you're going to take next fall and the professors you might have. And you might even relate to that very thing that I did, fearful of that one professor who you know you probably should take, but man, I don't know if I want to take that. And you kind of want to look for an easier way. Or maybe it's not classes. Maybe it's just in finding a job. You just want the easiest job you can get to get money in the bank. Maybe it's about just meeting people. Like, yeah, it'd be uh, good to go down and meet people in the cafeteria or whatever, but it's easier to just stay by myself. 
It'd be good to meet people, but uh, it's hard work. Or maybe it's just about dealing with other services or businesses that we have, right? And we, I don't know about you, we say this thing kind of like, it would, I wish they would just make it easier for us, you know? Have you ever felt that, like talking about uh, the DNV or something like that? You're like, man, I just wish they would make it easier. Amen. <laughs> and we feel that. And it's not all, that, it's not all wrong, right? Because you know a good service, a good business, a good company, it's like, they make it easy for you. And you're like, they're going to do great because it's easy. And you compare that to the, the complicated people, right? You're like, oh, if they would just, just make it easier. It's just better. And that's an honest critique. That's not a bad thing in and of itself. But there's a tension here, isn't there? What's going in a, on in our heart? They should make it easier for us. I won't, but yet, I also want to take the easy way out. Do you feel a little bit of that tension? In Acts chapter 15, we get a bit of this tension. And what's happened so far in this story, Acts 15, the church is growing, it's thriving, and it's been spreading, right? We've been talking about this progression as the Christianity is moving out away from Jerusalem and Judea, and now we're in Antioch. We're in Gentile territory, and there are Gentiles being saved, and and this church is thriving with people who are not Jews culturally, And the gospel is spread to those who are not culturally Jews. But the beginning of this chapter, it says that some people came down to Antioch and started saying, you got, if you want to be saved, you got to be circumcised and follow all the law of of Moses and be a Jew, essentially. And it stirs this up. And we've been talking a little bit about, Catherine talked about circumcision a few weeks ago. We've been talking a few weeks ago about like this acknowledgement that we have to essentially relate to the reality of as the gospel spreads to other cultures, how does that affect how we understand and walk in our faith? And so this dispute breaks out in the beginning of this chapter. You can read it in the first five verses or so. And they start to argue it, and they gather in Jerusalem, and they're like, okay, what do we do with this conversation? They're saying we got to be circumcised. We got to follow all of the Jewish laws to be saved. The Gentiles have to do that. And then Peter gets up. And if you remember, chapter 10, Catherine preached on Peter and his story with Cornelius. And he tells a story of how God has saved, like God has saved the Gentiles. And he, and he did it miraculously and powerfully. Clearly, God was doing it. And so they, they're, they're kind of like in this process of what, in, what does it mean to become part of Jesus' movement, to be a, a, a Christian, to be saved? And Paul, Paul also stands up and he begins to describe this gospel is established on grace alone, not works. And that's where I want us to read. Starting in verse 9, you can go there. Verse 9 of Acts 15. Should be a slide on there. There it is. Excellent. It says this. This is uh, Paul talking and he's talking about God. So he, God, did not discriminate between us, the Jews, and them, the Gentiles. For he purified their hearts by faith. Now then, why do you try to test God by putting on the necks of Gentiles a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors have been able to bear? No, we believe it is through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved, just as they are. Through the grace of our Lord Jesus that we are saved. And Paul brings us to grace. Let's talk about grace a little bit tonight. What is grace? Like, can we define it quickly? Simply put, I think grace is receiving something you did not deserve. 
And that's kind of distinct from mercy, which is not receiving something you do deserve. Grace receiving something good that you didn't deserve. Mercy receiving something you did not, like did not receive something that you did deserve. Death. All right, so God is at work in us, in his grace, by giving us something we did not deserve. And the gospel centers on this reality. By in Christ alone, by faith alone, by grace alone, are we saved. And there's a great quote we often say here. Tim Keller says this, I am so bad, or we are so bad, that he had to die for us. But we are so loved that he was glad to die for us. This is grace. This is a picture of Jesus' divine, glorious, weighty, but so good grace. I should get something, but instead I'm being given his finished work on my behalf. I should receive death. Instead, I receive life. I should receive separation from God, and instead I receive life. What does this really mean, though, when we work it into our lives? That's a good like, thought, that's a good idea, that's a good theology here. But how do we work it into our life? What does it really mean? It means that I'm saved not by my, what I do, but what he did, right? My doing is never enough. My doing is not the means in which I receive his grace and salvation. There's nothing I can do, nothing you can do to earn our way into God's kingdom, earn our way into restored relationship to God. There's nothing we can do. Grace is simply saying, it's not by what I do, but what he did for me. And our response to grace is to simply receive what he gives by his doing and because he loves us. That's what the gospel is all about. But I want to talk a little bit more about what grace is. Because grace also does something in us, right? Like it transforms us. Because not only, like we have the framework of we must do something to earn something. That's how our world works. But grace is different. It transforms our very identity. Instead of, uh, like that quote we read earlier, I'm so bad I had to die, right? Grace tells us that there's nothing I can do to fix myself. I am really bad. That speaks directly to how we identify ourselves and our pride. Because we really think we're great. Because look at my resume. Look at the stuff I've done. Now, you might not say that. Because we kind of feel like the reality of like being an arrogant jerk is not a good thing. And yet inside, we sometimes we kind of do that. We kind of look and say, yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm okay because look what I did. I did a good job. Look at my grades. I did it. I'm okay. And we connect our identity to what we do and our accomplishments. And grace directly speaks to that and transforms us by saying it's not about what you do. Though we are so bad, he had to die. That speaks to our pride. We're so loved that he was glad to die. That speaks to our value. Because he so deeply wants you. And that speaks to your self-loathing when we want to tear ourselves a new one, when we haven't met up to our standards or our expectations of ourselves. Because maybe you have that list of all the things you've done right, but maybe you also have that list of all the ways you are not good. 
Look at what I've done. And then we speak worth and value to ourselves by what we've done. But the gospel transforms us, and his grace transforms us, because it's not by what you do. And it speaks to our self-loathing. It says you don't have a right to loathe yourself, because God, the God of the universe loves you. And it's not by what you do that you are loved and saved. Yeah. So here in this story, right, in, the, in, in Acts 15, we see the church wrestling with and solidifying and finding the firm footing on the gospel that saves by grace alone. And then in verse 19, Paul gets up and he says this. After they've kind of wrestled with this and come to the agreement that this is, this is true and this is good, he says, it is my judgment, therefore, that we should not make it difficult for the Gentiles who are turning to God. Paul says, it is not, let's, let's not make it difficult for those who are turning to God. And this is so beautiful to me. Like, this is such a beautiful picture of Paul's heart. Now, right after this in verse 20, if you go and read it, it is a list of things he says, so then, here's what we should tell them to do in response to receiving this gospel. And he lists out some, some ways in which we should live. And the implication of this gospel is not to say, now that you have this grace, you can do whatever you want. That's not, that's not the case. Right? And simply put, like Jesus, is, we said, we're so bad he had to die. And if we needed his grace to save us, if we needed him to lay down his life in our place and to do it for us, if what we do sent him to the cross, why would we keep doing it? No, that's not where our framework of salvation, that's not what we, like, we don't keep, we don't find our identity and our worth by what we do. But we do notice the fact that what we have done meant Jesus had to die on a cross to save us from it. So it, means, it makes logical sense to say, so why would I keep doing the thing that sent Jesus to the cross? Why would I keep doing the thing that separated me from God in the first place? The gospel does declare to us that we do, we walk into a new way of life. And he does want to speak a way of life into that. But it's not about your value and it's not about your salvation. It's now that you've been washed and cleansed into his kingdom and family. We walk, we walk in step in his new way of life. It's not, I do, therefore I'm accepted. It's, I'm accepted, therefore. Why would I not do something like he does? Why would I not want to be like him? Right? The gospel tells us we are saved from something to something. We're saved from a world that finds all of our value by what we do and our accomplishments and also our failures. That's our world. Our world so often focuses on the things we've done. But we're saved to a kingdom where his grace reigns, not only between us and him, but between us and others. And it's a beautiful picture of what life is meant to look like in relationship. He, he welcomes into his family and we participate in his way of life, which is full of grace. Not only his grace to us, but our grace to one another and forgiveness, his grace his forgiveness toward us, but our forgiveness for one another. As we walk in step with the character of God, say, well, I want to be like our God that saved me. 
Why would I do any, why would I not want to be like him? That's what grace should do in us. To say, it doesn't matter what I do after receiving grace destroys the very necessity of the gospel. And yet the gospel is so beautiful because it is not by what you do that you're saved. It's because he loves you. And our identity is not formed in what we've done. It's because he loves us. That's why he did it. He gave his life to make an exchange for me and for you. And he wants to lavish that grace that transforms your identity and that transforms the way you live. He wants to lavish that on you. And he wants to, us to open up our hearts wide to let him change the way we think. And let this grace, this concept of grace, into every corner of our life. And I'm going to move on to, from this thought in a second. But if you're in the room and you just need to hear that God loves you regardless of what you've done, I want you to take a moment. Maybe it means closing your eyes. Maybe it means just taking a deep breath and saying, is this really, tr is this really your grace? Am I really accepted by you? And I want you to know he truly, absolutely, full stop, he loves you to the utmost, no matter what you've done. And he desperately wants you to stop viewing your identity through a lens of what I've done or how good I am or how bad I am. He wants you to see yourself through the lens of grace. Having grace for yourself because he has grace for you. To not find your worth in your accomplishments, but to find your worth in the, the fact that he made you. And if he made you, and he loves you, and he wants you, man, we can receive that and think of ourselves in that way. And then we can begin to think about others in that way. And I want us all, we all need to daily stop and receive grace. And this is the first time you're experiencing this kind of grace. I want you to take note and prod at this idea. Ask the questions about it. Say, is it really as good as it is? Or is there more here that I need to know? And be open with this. And be risky that his grace is for you too. And it is. It's for all of us. And the beautiful thing is God does not want to make it difficult for us. He doesn't want, make, want to make it difficult for you to receive his gospel. He has done everything to pave a way for you and for me. And so in turn, let's not make it difficult for anyone else to receive the gospel and receive this grace. And I love that Paul in this, in this chapter, as he's working with the church and trying to prod through this idea of how does grace work into our culture they're working very hard to say this is what grace is and this is how it applies to our specific situation about these people groups that are coming and turning to God. It's about grace. His heart is about grace. Let's not make it difficult and add all these cultural elements of baggage that we need to put on. No, let's make it easy to turn to God, the God of full of grace and love for us. But wait a minute. We started out by saying we shouldn't find the easy way out. 
Let's make it easy for someone else. But what about our heart and wanting to find the easy way out? And I think there's a very clear distinction. I hope you see it too. There's one thing that says, I want the easy way out. And there's another that says, I want to make it easy for you. Right? One says, I want it easy for me. And the other one says, I want it easy for you. I want to remove all the barriers and the, and, the, and the things and help you receive for what it really is. And this is how, great, how grace works and transforms not only how we identify ourselves, but how we view other people. Right? We begin to have a grace mindset that we view others through a lens, not identifying them and valuing them based on what they can do for me or for you. We look at business and say, what can they do for me? Right? That's kind of the, that's their MO, right? And yet at the same time, we view people through a lens of what they can do for me. That's not letting the grace of Jesus transform the way we think about those around us. And it starts here. It starts with us. He wants to transform our very own heart and how we view ourselves. But it must also then flood out and affect how we view others around us and view them through a lens and a mindset of grace. Not holding them and other people to a standard of what they can be doing, but instead valuing them and honoring them through a grace mindset of by the, just by their being made in the image of God. Jesus' glorious grace changes us to the deepest level and changes our relationships. <clears throat> so as we acknowledge and wrestle with, maybe there's a reality that we want an easy way out. For me, when I was in college, I wanted the easy way out because I was afraid. And I was afraid because I was insecure and fearful that I would not be good enough. I was afraid I wouldn't make it. By my doing, I was looking at the way I could do it. And I was afraid to take Dr. Amy Anderson because I didn't think my doing would be enough. And therefore, I am not enough. And I was afraid to take on that challenge. I didn't know what it would mean on the other side. Grace had not worked its, all, its way down to my identity yet. And it's still working. It was a journey for all of us as we're letting that grace into the depths of our heart. But we notice where are the things that we're holding on to and our fears about our identity that are based out of our doing. And we ask Jesus to step into those things and help us to transform the way we view this. We can have grace for ourselves. I didn't when I was that college student. I didn't live in the grace of Jesus. But now, in Christ, I'd love to think back and say, what would it have been like to not take the easy way out, to have a grace mindset for myself and to step into that? Maybe I wouldn't have failed. Maybe I would have. Maybe I would have learned something really deeply profound about who I am in that process. That opportunity is for us every single day as we acknowledge in what ways am I living in grace or which ways am I still living by what I do. What I love in this passage is Paul and the, uh, and the church, begin. they send a letter. This is where I want to I end with this, these verses they send a letter to these Gentile Christians in Antioch. And they describe a bunch of things, and we'll read it here. 
And notice the last verse, okay? So we have heard, this is the start of the letter. We have heard that some went out from us without our authorization and disturbed you, troubling your minds with what they said, right? You gotta be saved, you gotta be circumcised to be saved. Disturbing. So we all agreed to choose some men and send them with you with our dear friends Barnabas and Paul. Verse 26, men who have risked their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I was reading this passage and this stuck out to me. And then I saw earlier Paul saying, let's not make it difficult. But do you notice what Paul is doing? He's saying, let's not make it difficult for them. But what is he doing? He's risking his very life. In fact, he's making it very difficult for himself so that others can receive this grace. And I love seeing Paul's, like, he lives in that reality. I will do anything to help someone else receive this grace. I will do anything. I'll cross over a mountain. I'll, I'll bear the weight of it all so that I can help someone else see this grace. I can remove the barriers and hindrances so they can see it. I don't want to make it difficult for anyone else. Do we live that way? Do we go about our life like Paul did? Yeah, he risked his life literally in the sense of he, was, he, he ended up being killed for his faith. I think grace transforms that, that willingness, though. Not saying, I'm going to take the easy way out, save myself. Instead, saying, I'll, I'll, I'm willing to take the difficult thing so that someone else can be made easier for them. That's what grace does to us. It transforms our identity and it transforms our view of other people and it leads us to react very differently in the world. Are we concerned about being, making, making it easy for us or are we willing to take on the difficulty to make it easier for someone else to receive Jesus? I think it's worth noting where we fit in this story. We're not, we might not find yourself directly, but where is Jesus wanting us to see where we are right now? Where are we? And, and there's no shame here. This is not to condemn or say, like, you are terrible that you didn't even let grace in. <laughs> that would just be an absolutely missing, like, I would be absolutely ruining my own sermon by saying that by your doing, you're not doing it right. No, that's not the point. But we examine our heart and say, what? Where am I viewing myself? How do I view myself? Do I view myself by what I do? Or am I viewing myself through the lens of grace? Lastly, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Paul, uh, uh, Paul is telling the, Christ, the church in Corinth, saying, upon receiving this, this gospel, that they would no longer live for themselves before the one who died for them. This is what happens as we live in his gospel of grace. We stop living for ourselves in the easy way out. We start living to help someone else know him. So I want to pray in response here. And then I want us to take a few minutes and have a couple questions. Um, and I would really encourage you to be honest and open about these questions. Um, but let's pray first. And then we'll discuss. Jesus, thank you so much for your grace. And Jesus, we ask that you would speak to every single person in the room and help all of us, help all of us to know your grace just a little bit more intimately 
and the ways in which you want your grace to affect and filter in to how we view ourselves and how we live out our life. Lord, if there's anyone in the room who you are, you are calling them by name right now, you're saying, I want you to receive this grace tonight. Lord, would you speak to them and call them by name? Would you bring in your presence in a way that trans- transforms us right here in this space? May we all hear your voice. Would you, would you lavish your grace on all of us that transforms not only how we view ourselves, but how we view others? That we too, like Paul, would begin to think, not, not the easy way out, but what can I take on to help someone else have it easier to receive you. Jesus, help us to know and filter through that. Help us at the deepest level of who we are in our very heart. Receive your grace tonight. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. So there's one more slide here about these questions. Let me just read them to you really quick. And if you want to just pick at one and go with that one, that's fine. But the first one is, in what ways has Jesus' grace changed you? If you have a story of like, yeah, this grace, I got a story about how he's done that. I mean, you know, talk about that. Or the second one, in what areas of your life do you need to let the grace of Jesus into now? Maybe something, the Holy Spirit prodded something tonight. Talk about that one, if you're willing. And then lastly, this one is cool. Do you have a story of someone who did the harder thing to make it easier for someone else, or maybe easier for you, who paved the way for you. And think about how you might be able to be like that. Does that make sense? Great. So, yeah, pick someone, two or three people around you, maybe groups of four, max, and, and, and work through a question or two. Thanks for listening. Follow us on Instagram at MilwaukeeXA to keep up to date on our events and services. Or stop by Bolton Hall Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. in room B40.